As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means... In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, it feels like, honestly, it feels like that Texans-Colts game, great game. It feels like it was like a week ago or two weeks ago. I mean, with everything happening at the end of the season, we're talking playoffs, and it's just, Colts came close, man. It came close. You and I are going to get into a lot of the stuff. That, that went on in that game, Jonathan Taylor's huge game, what's going to you know unfold with Michael Pittman this offseason. There's a lot to talk about with the offseason. Chris Ballard still hasn't talked yet. He, he, you know, he should be talking in a couple days, and, and we'll get into all of that. But the thing everyone's talking about and where we're going to start and maybe end, because I think you and I have different thoughts on this, is the fourth and one call. Is the, fourth, the critical fourth and one call, Shane Steichen dialed up, Gardner Minshew, you know, drops back, throws a little pass, a little swing pass to to Tyler Goodson in the flat. Not a great throw. Goodson can't hang on. They don't complete the, you know, no completion, no first down. Texans sit on the ball, game over. Colts lose and are eliminated from playoff contention. It's a, it's a heartbreaking way to go out. I think, again, you and I have been over this a dozen times probably on this podcast. Doesn't really you know, shine a bad light on the Colts season in general. Nine and eight is way better than anybody expected them to be. The way they played in this game was respectable. Um, all those things are true, but let's get into the call. Uh, I know you've been waiting for this moment. <laughs> so let's, I'll just let you go. And uh, yeah, tell us, tell us your feelings. Tell us your thoughts. Did not like the play call. I think that made that very clear through social media, through my story. It's not necessarily the play call itself because the play call worked. I say that with air quotes <laughs> because Tyler Goodson was open, but I just felt like season on the line, you go to your best players. And I'm not saying you have to run JT up the middle with his bum ankle because he was clearly hobbled on that last drive. Yes. And for those of you who have repeatedly told me, Oh, they weren't running the ball well in the fourth quarter. As you can see, James, you pointed it out. He had nine carries for 23 yards on the final drive, and it's only two point something yards a carry. All they needed was one anyways. Thank you. All they needed was one, so I don't want to hear that. But um, I think that with the respect I have for Shane as a play caller, I know that he had a couple of plays he probably could have turned to in that moment. He went the one, obviously, that he thought would be the best one, but I just felt like Season online, you go to players who are proven they can do it in clutch moments throughout the year, whether that's JT, again, hobbled, or do you slam Zach Moss up the middle for one yard? Do you throw it to Pittman? Do you throw it to Josh Downs? And I get it. A lot of the people who are agreeing with the caller are like, oh, those guys would have been covered and Atlanta would have been, you know, all over those guys. I get that. However, this is where I think that you – Lean on Shane's expertise. That's yeah. his job to scheme the best yeah. guys open. I mean, every single game, every single play, they're like, we don't want him to catch the ball. Figure out a way to get it to him. And I just felt like after the game, when you're going into the locker room, we were, we were going to talk to 
Jonathan Taylor, you know, uh, Zaire Franklin, DeForest Buckner, all these guys, no matter what happened in that game, we were not going to talk to Tyler Goodson unless he either was the hero or the person who basically choked the game away, which a lot of people believe he did. I don't think he did because I actually think most of the blame should be put on Gardner Minshew for throwing a terrible pass, in my opinion. Yeah, it was, it was a bad throw. Everyone's like, oh, it hit him in the hands. That's because Tyler Goodson, in my opinion, was athletic enough to even turn around and get his hands on the ball. It should have been up and out. He ran a flat route, and it, he just he ran to the flat, and he threw it behind him, and it was low and behind. He should have caught it, and everyone's like, oh, he's a pro. He's got to catch that. He had six pro catches to his name before that game. No and touches. That part, that part, that part that I don't, I don't, I don't care about that. He's he's in the NFL, man. Make a, I mean, like I, that barely, doesn't matter how many catches you've made. Barely, make the catch. I, barely, like I, and and that that's that's what I mean. And I get it. Everyone's like, oh, you got to either trust all the guys or you don't. I know we argued about that. Mm-hmm. I trust certain guys a little bit more. I'm sorry. So you should. I'm not you should. I mean, certain guys in the hands of Tyler Goodson with my season on the line. I'm just not doing that. And I and then this is where. And I'm not saying if they went elsewhere and the play would have worked. But I, I, I truly believe we gave those players truth serum and asked them, you know, about coming up short. They would have felt or maybe it would have been an easier pill to swallow had they at least gone to their best players. In that Let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. No, no I'm joking. <laughs> I'm going to start here. <laughs> have you even watching the game? This is many years ago. Had you ever heard of David Tyree? No, no. You remember David Tyree? I do remember David Tyree. Helmet catch? I do, I do. Do you think... I, here's my point. But that play was not dialed up for David Tyree. I, if I remember correctly, Eli Manning was about to get sacked, and he just threw it down there. And it, yes, he made the play. I get Should that. Should he? Yes, but... But they yeah, didn't... I'm not calling it for him. I'm sorry. Okay. But yes, fair I enough. agree. That's a I fair agree. enough point. What I'm telling you is that... What I'm telling you is that if you're on the field... If you're on the field, if you're on the yes. NFL field, make the play. And again, this, by the way, this goes to this goes to Tyler Goodson and to Gardner Minshew, which again, I think the only, one of the only places you and I both agree is that Gardner Minshew's throw was bad. He rushed the footwork, he rushed the throw, no pressure, it wasn't where it was supposed. I think he was trying to. I think he was trying to try to like spin him to the outside. I'm not sure why he didn't need to. There wasn't coverage. Like a lot of times when the running backs going to the flat, the, the quarterback will try to throw it to the opposite shoulder to try to get him like spinning to the outside away from, you know, uh, defenders coming from the inside. Yeah, I get that. In this case, it didn't need to happen. Really. You needed one yard, just put it on his numbers and you're fine. Uh, so bad throw. I think we, you and I can both yeah. agree there. Yeah. Um, But I don't like when you put the, the play worked in quotes, the play worked. It was open. Like to me, if you're a play caller, your job is to is to design somebody open. You, you know the defense is going to lock in on if Taylor's on the field, lock in on Taylor, which, again, maybe having Taylor on the field would have been a nice yeah, decoy. Yeah, decoy, like that. yeah, yeah. Maybe, sure. But ultimately, Goodson was open in the flat for a first down to keep your season alive, which, by the way, and again, I know you agree on this part. I, it drives me nuts when people keep talking about how the Colts would have won if they catch that pass. No. That, that offense scored 19 points in that game. They weren't coming <laughs> along. So I was going like, to say, they probably... Still lose that game, but it just at least you get four more chances at it. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, they had to get agreed. in the end zone and yeah, and then obviously keep the extra point and win the game. But no, it was not a guarantee that they were going to win because of that play. No, right. When we shouldn't pretend that it was going to be again, I think you and I agree on many aspects of this. And this is where I think it is a fun debate because there is nuance to this. And I, again, I don't disagree with your point of it would have been better to try to throw to a guy like Michael Pittman. Here's the thing about the I want to eliminate one thing. Putting Jonathan Taylor out there, a hobbled Jonathan Taylor, who I think we I think we can all agree is not the best pass catcher in the world. Like he's he's not. Yeah, he, no, no, no. He does he does so many things. He's a all pro level running back, but you know making difficult catches isn't really his thing. He makes some difficult catches, but that's not really his thing. Tyler Goodson, it's game plan. That's the pack. He's the pass catching back. They put him in to do his job, make the play, make the play. That's that's all it is. And I'm not. I'm only mostly helping on T.Y. Hilton here, who who tweeted out that yeah, Jonathan that Taylor was, made the catch. Like, kind of crazy. I, I I don't <laughs> I don't think that's fair to say. I, I don't think again we're not talking about Christian McCaffrey here, right? Like Jonathan Taylor's not really a pass catching back. He catches some screens. Some he's flares, caught more than Tyler like Goodson. That. That's fair. 
I was going to say, so is yeah. Reggie Wayne. I yeah, mean, no, you want no, to have the most catches, yeah, no. you throw Reggie Wayne out there. I, I like, agree that's not you. really how that works. There, 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 I, don't, I don't know if I like sign off on throwing it to a hobble JT in that situation. But, okay. okay. Here's what I want to ask you, though. And, sure. and this is where I, I truly believe because of the way the game ended and it being a season-ending loss, all those things. Yeah. It's really – and I didn't get to hit on it in my story very much, but, but Gardner Minshew was not good the entire game. Right. He was he had actually had a bad game. He was not good, yep. not accurate. And so that's where oh, I see where you're leading me. I see where you're leading me now. Yeah, I'm okay. just asking you, like, would you trust him to throw an accurate ball? That's my thing. Like, and the reason why I said maybe you throw it to Pitt, maybe you throw it to Josh Allen, because those two guys have proven throughout this season that they can catch errant Minshew passes. <laughs> and so that's where I'm like, do, do you trust a backup quarterback? who is inaccurate to throw it to your third string running back, even if he is your pass catching back, even if he worked in practice and all those things, like, do you trust Gardner? Like, do, are you okay with that part of it, Jim? Yeah, like, because like, listen, this guy still led this team for the last two months, three months. I that's mean, fair. That's and, fair. And they're in the playoff hunt. Again, I wouldn't say because of him, but he's been there. He's made clutch throws. I mean, we talked about the, the, the Alec Pierce bombs. He's made some big time throws against the Titans. Yeah. Um, Again, they're big time throws. And listen, if you don't, if you're a coach and you're thinking during the game that you don't trust your quarterback, you're lost. I mean, you're it's over. Like if you don't trust your guy under center, like you gotta trust. And this is this is the bigger point, and that you and I have gotten into is you either can say you believe in all fifty three, or you can mean it. And I think Steichen means it. Now, to your point, I think it's a hundred percent fair. There are guys you do trust more. Those are the guys you pay more. Those are the guys you they are. You know which guys you trust more because they are paid accordingly. So yeah. I, I, I understand that 100%. But it's really – are there other plays he could have dialed up that would have worked? I Probably in a, in another – I mean, we could get into the multiverse here with Dr. Strange and, and see how those <laughs> other plays would have worked. But, like, ultimately he dialed up a play that was open for a first down that, like, that, that the Texans didn't sniff out. They hadn't scouted or uh, clearly. They didn't either think he was going to Goodson or they didn't know he would throw to the flat. Whatever it would be, Steichen knew what play to call, dialed it up, and it worked. It was open. He just needed this quarterback to make the throw, and this is responding back to make the catch. Right, and you're relying on a quarterback who, again, <sighs> isn't that accurate, and a running back who had six yeah, pro catches to his name. If say he makes the catch, you're going to have to rely on that quarterback for the next four downs anyway. Like you, you yeah. I mean, he's he's going to be part of it. But and again, I get it. Everyone's like, oh, hindsight 2020. Yes, I'm seeing very clearly. That was, and I, I guarantee you that that's just my whole thing is if I, I felt like they left one in the chamber, you know, you went to a gunfight, whatever, um, and you use a slingshot. That's what, that's what it felt like to me. Now, again, this does not mean that the call was terrible because if it works, you're absolutely right. I'm, 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 I'm switching sides. Oh, he's fantastic play call. He trusted all his guys and I'm right on these things. But again, I just felt like it would have been easier to swallow as a team if you knew you went out with your, your best guy. And I'll add, Pittman was not in the locker room after the game. He was not in there at all. Like, there's a lot of, usually after a season ending loss, everyone's in there. They're hugging, they're smiling, they're saying their goodbyes, or they're, they're you know, they're taking more a longer time to soak it in. Like, it's probably the longest locker room of the year when they, yeah. when your season comes to an end. Pittman was nowhere to be found. And I can guarantee you, Jim. Had he been in there and we asked him, because we asked JT, did you want the ball? And JT, who was visibly distraught over the loss, stood there and, and, and stood up for his coach. He said, you know, have you guys questioned his play calling all year? No, you haven't. You know, I trust the guy. We all trust the play call. But he did later say, you know, of course you want the ball, but I trust my coach. Pittman would have went off. I, I can guarantee you this. Because he's an emotional guy. And I, I give him credit for not <laughs> being in there. But on the few occasions when he's not in the locker room after the game, it's because he's too amped up to really give you a political answer. He'll sure. give you an honest answer. Like if we asked him, you know, do you agree with the play call or would you want the ball? He's probably like, hell yeah, I want the ball. Yeah, and I'm mad or whatever. You you, you want so, these guys to want the ball? Yeah. Um, that was a bit not not revealing, but I I think that just kind of validated like man like, and, and Pitt talked about it. We can get into that a little bit later, but he talked about being the guy this season and and being the guy trusted in those moments, and you didn't give it to him or give him a chance to have a say so in it. So, um, it is what it is. I do think that 
the play itself kind of, at least in the moment, overshadowed an overall really remarkable season and really a good game too. Um, obviously not good if you're a Colts fan or Colts player, but it wasn't like they went out there and they got embarrassed and we're like, they wasted our time. It was a, it was a pretty good primetime matchup. And honestly, yeah. to, I mean, to pivot a little bit, Jim, I knew CJ Stroud was good. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know he was that good. Yeah, um, man. And I'm not even talking about the first play. The first play was incredible. That the last drive, the throw he made when Taekwon basically hit him square in the chest and he ripped it across the middle right on the money to Nico Collins, who, by the way, looked like, you know, Randy Moss out there. I was like, this dude is legit. When he, the, the second and long throw that he had, where he's like running away from DeForest Buckner, turns and, and, and spins and just throws it. And I'm thinking, oh, that's a prayer. And then, no, it's actually a very great touch pass to Nico Collins again, who runs underneath who it. I mean, it took a great performance by the opposing quarterback to even get over the hump because it wasn't like, um, you know, they blew him out. I do think that the Colts is secondary. They really missed Julian Blackman in, in that game um, because the first two touchdowns were like just coverage bust, it looks like to me. Um, but, yeah, CJ's the truth, man. I was thinking to myself, beyond the, the loss and, and the Colts' angle, my overall angle was that there is absolutely zero doubt doubt that Houston has their guy, and he's a guy. He is legit. Like, Jim, what were you thinking when you saw him play? I mean, I, you all know. You all know what I was thinking. Here's what I'll tell you. Like I said, everybody that's listened to this podcast all year knows what I was thinking. It's, man, I really wish we got to see Anthony Richardson on the other side to try to answer that. Like, I just, I can't, I, I can't get out of my head, man. I just... I just want that matchup so badly. We got just a peak of it in back in week two, and then we were robbed of the rest of the season in this particular game. It should have been Richardson and Stroud. Uh, you know what would have happened on fourth and one with Anthony Richardson oh, in the game? Don't even, come yeah. on now. Read he gets, option. He, you try stopping say, that. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, he gets six yards because you don't know what easy, to do. Easy. That's like, a fourth and one. If they ran for over sneak. 200 yards in that, in that game against the Texans, and I was like, if AR was out there, Lord have mercy, oh. it would have been 300 yards plus. I, 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 take solace, Colts fans, because fourth and short, third and short coming up in, in, in your future, not going to be that big a deal. Not going to be a problem. They're going to figure that out pretty easy. He had a it's, couple of uh, have... goal line runs like that. You know, they just direct snapped it to him, and he, like, waits and then just bursts up. And it's like you can't really stop that because if you overcommit to the run, he's going to throw it over the top. So it's – it's read option, man. He's going to have Taylor or Goodson. It won't matter who he's got out there because he'll either That's give it true. and he's going to be wide open or he's going to take it himself and he's going to get a yard. Or they'll just tush push because Sykin should know the secrets, by the way. Came from Philadelphia. Yeah. He should know how to do it. That was uh, um, one of the things that I, that I thought about even watching Lamar Jackson this year. Yeah. Because I tried to watch a lot of Ravens games whenever I could because of just some of the scheme stuff that, I, that sure. the Colts will yeah. probably likely steal when Anthony's back healthy. But if, as, as everyone knows, if you watch the Ravens, their, their running backs aren't household names aren't superstars no, and honestly yeah. they've had injuries to a lot of key guys over the years and they've still had one of the best ground games in the league because of the misdirection stuff you can do with Lamar Jackson which obviously you hope to replicate with Anthony Richardson but um I would say what did you think of Steichen's ability to steer this ship this season which if we got to this moment after week five, when AR got hurt and we fast forward to now and they were like five and whatever, we wouldn't be criticizing him. What'd you think of his ability to give them a chance despite, yeah. again, back a quarterback most of the season, JT missed seven games, Grover Stewart missed six games, Braden Smith missed a handful of games, and they still were on the doorstep of the playoffs and had a winning record, which I think matters going into next season. Yeah, so let me, let me go back. I'm going to answer your first question because I answered your C.J. Stroud question with an uh, Anthony Richardson answer, uh, oh, which yeah. <laughs> I will I will do throughout the. No, I I when you were talking about the play, I I queued up the uh, Tycon Lewis hit the Tycon Lewis hit throw over the middle. I mean, it's insane. It's insane. He steps in the pockets like he throws it like he slings it like sidearm. He's he's a guy. He's a dude. I mean, it's 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 top ten quarterback. He's yeah. I think you'd hear you're going to hear debates, and I think like who would you rather have a Trevor Lawrence or C.J. Stroud? 
He was the best uh, one in the AFC South this year. I was going to say, it wasn't this close. Year, it was, it's, it's an easy answer. Now, going forward, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to, like, you know, dump on Trevor Lawrence. I know he was playing hurt, too, but drop the guy. And 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 to win this division now, it's becoming very apparent you're going to have to have a guy, which gets me back to Anthony Richardson. He's got to prove it. It's only, you know, he got to play in a few games. Um, I think Four the signs games. are promising. But to get to your second question, I don't want you to answer this, too, because, hey, you're the guy who covers the team. And, uh, you're going to have some interesting insights on Shane Sykin coming up here. I'm very excited about, but oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah, a little, little tease for you guys out there. You guys keep an eye out. Cause James has got something special cooking up. Um, no, nah, man, he's, you, you, you wrote it, man. You wrote it six weeks ago, eight weeks ago. This guy's special. He's, he's, he deserve he's, he should have been in the coach of the year conversation well before everybody else was talking about it. You were on it. It was, he's did, he did things with this team that no one expected. If you look at their stats, by the way, EPA and all that stuff, they're not great. They're not, they 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 just kind of kept finding ways. You've written that too, you know the Kenny Moore game, the 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 Zach Moss games. Like they just kept figuring out different ways to get things done. Just the you know clever fourth and one like play action to Mo Alley Cox over the middle for thirty yards. Like the guy is all guts and smarts, which I think is a great combination to have in your head coach. Um, he's calm, he's meticulous, he's. He's I, he seems like a leader. I mean, given the things that you've told me, some of the players have said, given the things I've yeah. read that you've written yeah. and others have written. I mean, they they seem to believe in. It's so easy to believe in a guy, um, when he when you know when you go onto the field and he puts you in the right spot. Like if you go out there and you say we're going to run this, you wrote about this specifically, by the way. When he says this is a play we're going to run, this is the defensive look that you're going to get, and this is how we're going to beat it. This happened recently, by the way, with the cover zero blitz against Gardner Minshew when he threw that bomb. They said, we're going to practice it on Saturday. Just in- we probably won't see it, but just in case, here's what we're going to do to beat it. And they did. Now, how do you not believe in a coach like that? Like, that guy has you prepared. Now, there are other parts of being a coach that are important and that I'm sure he's good at and, or, or improving on and working at. I think as a society, an NFL society, we I feel like we tend to, like, not give coaches the same grace that we give some rookie like rookies like they will have to grow they will have to improve they, they there, there are things they need to develop at just like players do i think Steichen will continue to improve but the baseline that he showed this year is so damn impressive and it's it just takes you back to what we were all excited about when they drafted anthony richardson is like he's He's the perfect kind of guy to mold a quarterback like Anthony Richardson and take you into the future. I couldn't have been more. Imp- I mean, just to sum, I couldn't have been more impressed with Shane Steichen this year. I, I really think he's a legitimate. I think he should finish second or third in the coach of the year uh, running because he didn't make the playoffs and D'Amico Ryan's did and Kevin Stefanski did and those guys had great seasons too. But Steichen is is a guy. He's a dude. There's there's that's that's just true. Absolutely, I do think that he might slip a little in the in the coach of the year standings because Dan Campbell's out there as well and what he did sure, in Detroit. Sure. And, but he's in that conversation. He deserved to be in that conversation. And what impressed me was, and I said it in the story, even though I criticized him for giving the ball to Tyler Goodson. He really did empower these dudes to make them feel like they had a chance to go, to go out there and execute no matter what happened or who was out there. I mean, I can criticize him now and I felt like I was justified in doing so. However, I can also go back to the game where Tyler Goodson and Trey Sermon, you know, went off, you know, when those guys had to step up with no JT or no Zach Moss and you have a second year on draft running back in Tyler Goodson who took his first NFL carry that game and he's, he played really well. And then you have Trey Sermon, who's a, you know, former third round pick kind of turned into an NFL journeyman. He has one of the best games of his career. And so when I look at that, and the accountability aspect of it and just talking to different guys in the locker room, he would hold everyone accountable regardless of your status. Didn't care how much you got paid. Didn't care about your all pro pro bowl history. Did not care at all. I can say that with hundred percent certainty. And also he's a guy who, if given an opportunity, if you show what you can do in the, on the practice field, he will let you go out there and try to do it in the game. And that's exactly what happened with Tyler Goodson. I don't think he puts him out yep. there, obviously, had he not shown yeah. the ability to make that play over exactly. and over again in practice. And so I'm making my arguments to, for me over there, James. I know, I know. Um, <laughs> playing both sides right now, which this is the nuance we talked about, right? right and, and, and he talked about it. He was even saying, like, you know, how being in his position, when you make the right call, everyone tells you how great you are. You make the, you make the wrong call. And I say that with air quotes because it wasn't the wrong call. It just didn't work. But when it doesn't work, sure. you got to own that, too. 
and he's and he said it. I mean, in the press conference yesterday, Monday, he was like, you know, have I th- stopped thinking about that play? No. And I think he'll think about that play for months. And I'm not exaggerating. I think he'll think about that play a lot because of how close they were to obviously extending the season on that drive and potentially winning the game and going on to the playoffs. So, um, but overall, there's no way that I would be anything but enthused about what he's done for the franchise, what he's meant to the team and what it means going forward for the franchise, because you wanted to find a guy at quarterback, obviously the jury's still out on that because of the health stuff, but you absolutely found your guy at head coach. And that matters because when you talk about the maturation of your team, your quarterback, whoever's leading those meetings and leading those teachings has to be someone you can trust fully and I think it didn't take them long to trust fully in him. And I think by the results that we saw, they bought in. They bought in quickly. And then when you see the buy-in from guys who, you know, could have been a little skeptical, like a DeForest Buckner, like a Zaire Franklin, when they buy in, when they feel like this guy has given us the best opportunity to win, that matters going forward. And so um, he said he feels like they're close. Obviously, they're very close to the playoffs. But in his true Shane Steichen fashion, he was like, you know, this year's over and next year's a whole new year. So although we're trending up, you know how it is, Jim. Like the NFL is very humbling in that way where they could come back next year and be terrible. Like it's just how it is sometimes. So he's, I can already tell, I saw him, you know, talking to him. I could see the wheels turning in his head. Like I got to figure out how we don't get complacent and we don't just plateau right here and this is you know as good as it gets because as you pointed out previously in conversation we've had throughout the week frank reich had a similar start yep and we saw how it ended and so that's obviously they're trying to avoid that they want to be the cults of old where you're in the conversation for the division title every year and you're in the playoffs every year looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's hard to turn yourself into the cult of old, to the Ravens, to the Steelers. Like those, the reason those teams are talked about the way they are is because they do something that's hard. They keep themselves in it all the time. Even and then you watch a team like the Patriots. Like obviously losing Tom Brady and 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 other things happen, but eventually it, it goes away. And it's not you can't just do it over and over and over again. You have right. to work at it, and you have to have good drafts, and you have to have good free agent signings, and you have to you know you have to do all those things. So I do I do want to spin it a little bit uh, to a place I don't think I was I was thinking about talking about today, but the way you were talking about Shane Steichen and the way I was talking about Anthony Richardson, I, I think we probably need to give a little credit to Chris Ballard here. I mean, I think there's... there's What? Credit for Chris Ballard? What is the no, I, I, I know, it's funny too, because like for years, it was like he was the in vogue guy. Everybody thinks he's the best GM, and then they went down the toilet, and everybody thought he should be fired, and all this other stuff. And again, I, you know, all of that, I understand. It, he deserved it, by the way. Last year was a mess, and he he had a hand, a big hand in that. Um but you give him credit for cleaning up his mess, right? Yeah. I mean, he he, he yeah. went and found the right coach. He went and found the right quarterback, I think. He even went and found the right backup quarterback to make it, you know, again, we we have our issues with Gardner Minshew. He's not great or whatever, but he helped keep the train on the tracks. Um, 
He helped do a lot of things. Now, there's a lot of work to be done. I think Chris Ballard would be the first one to tell you. He he was there for the Frank Reich time. Obviously, losing Andrew Luck was a big deal, but he was there for when they rebounded, right? They made the playoffs yeah. with Phillip Rivers, and they couldn't yeah. keep the train on the tracks. It just fell off, and he knows how hard it is. He finally acknowledged last year that it was time to stop you know, trying to plug in old quarterbacks, yeah. trying to just... Yeah trying to get the most out of an old roster. He finally acknowledges it's time to start over in in some ways, get younger. Uh, they're one of the younger teams in the NFL now, and they should be on the rise, but you're right. That's not a guarantee. That's not easy. I think they have the right coach. I think they have the right quarterback, and it looks like maybe they have the right GM to 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 keep pushing forward. But I do want to, you know, as before we talk about Chris Ballard in a, you know, next week, and he talks on, I think Thursday is, is the plan for him. Yeah. Um, time to give him some credit. It wasn't, it's not perfect. They have holes. They need, I still think they need a more consistent pass rush, despite the fact that they got the, you know, they set the franchise record for sacks in a season. I think it disappeared at times, uh, for them and in clutch moments when they really needed it to be there. I think they need corners. I think Nico Collins would tell you that. Um, no, he think would they not. Need... He'd be like, don't, don't, don't bring him in. Let me just keep, keep going off for a buck 95. Yeah, game of his yeah, life, he, by the way, in the biggest. He was incredible, probably, and they still have Tank Dell coming back from injury at one point. Like they're they're again, you got to look at the Texans, and you can't build Bill your Joe team threat. this way. But you got you got to look and say, okay, how do we how do we stop this? How do we slow this down? Because they're gonna be around, man. They got a good coach. They got a good quarterback. Same same situation the Colts are in, even though their quarterbacks proved a whole heck of a lot more. So yeah, you you gotta you gotta start building to that. There's a lot of work to be done. The offensive line still is kind of we'll see. I mean, like they're. You're paying some guys a lot of money. They're pretty good, but they're some of them are getting older. Some of them are getting a little more injury prone. Yeah, I want to interject real quick here. Go ahead. Ryan yeah. Kelly was like, any yes. notions about retirement? He's not retiring. Um, I actually think that he was really good this year, had a bounce back year, quite honestly. And he he's ready to go for next season. He's excited to get back out there. Braden Smith, I talked to for quite a while after the game Saturday he was pretty candid about how hurt he was throughout the season. Quite frankly, he was like, I got to get my body right. I got to get back to rehab. I got to figure out what I can do to be hundred percent. Cause he was like, I've never had a season like this where I haven't been available consistently. And as we saw his knee basically just gave out in that last game, he wasn't able to go. And Jim, Oh, remember we were talking about, okay, well, how do they, you know, why are they not able to run the ball really well? He affects their run game a lot. I mean, I know Blake Freeland stepped up and, and was and was helpful in, in spot moments, but they were a different running team when Braden Smith was in the game. And uh, so he was talking about how – and he was really candid. I mean, this is a guy who I hadn't talked to hardly ever yeah. throughout the season, and he just went all philosophical and big picture, and he's like, I love this team. I'll do anything for this team, and I got to get myself right. And, you know, you have to question, you know – why did God put you through this? And did it was it to make you stronger? And all these different things. And I was like, wow, he's really introspective. But he he made it very, very clear that he was disappointed with the way his season went. He was, you know, in a way proud that he gave it everything. Cause he was like, and I asked him flat out, I was like, do you I said, is it easier to swallow this because you knew you couldn't give any more? And he was like, I, I I can honestly tell you, I could not have given anything more. And I know some yeah. fans will criticize him. Oh, he's always hurt, he's always banged up, whatever the case may be. That dude did not have to go out there. No one would have blamed him if they said, if he said, I can't go. He tried until it literally gave out. His knee just would not function properly in that final game. And so um, he said he had some plans to get back, get back ready for, you know, first things first, getting healthy, then get back into training, all those things. Um, Bernard Ryman was also pretty excited about building on his season. He's always so like self deprecating, by the way. We were like, wait a yeah. second, Bernie. Uh, you had a pretty good season. Did you know that? He's like laughing. He's like, yeah, but I got to do this, this, and this to get better. This, this, this. And I'm like, wow, that's probably music to everybody's ears here. So, um, yeah, I want to let you get back into it. But that offensive line, it, it was better this year than it was last year, obviously. And they do feel like they have a window to still be successful with this core group. For sure. Sorry, I, I got I to gotta tell you, we got to interject here for some breaking news. I don't know if you're looking on Twitter right now, but major shakeup in the AFC South. Mike Vrabel just got fired by the Tennessee Titans. Curious what your uh, what your thoughts are on that. Does he go to New England? Uh, I mean, does he go to Ohio State? And no, I'm joking because <laughs> Ryan Day is ah, still there. Do they do they swap that. Ryan Day to you know to the <laughs> Patriots and then uh, Mike trade, Rabel? You know, to the Patriots should trade Ohio him to State. the Tennessee. It, yeah, but, let's, let's let's do that. Let's do a Titans uh, Patriots trade or an Ohio State one would be fun. No, it, I um, it felt like the end though. I mean, when you got, okay. I, I'm a bit surprised just because of 
I mean, where'd you go from here? Was it just you need a new voice in there, which I understand to a certain degree? I don't know what you had left on his contract. If his contract's up, th does that help the, the firing or whatever? Was he just not retained? I don't know, but it felt like the Titans in that core had run its course. I mean, Ryan Tannehill won't be back there next year. Derrick Henry gave us a, a, basically a goodbye speech, a farewell speech five minutes after that game ended. He's probably not back yeah. there either. Mike Vrabel, it just yeah, seems like they're going to get you know fresh blood in there yep. and try to point that thing in a new direction behind um, Will Levis. So we'll see. But I'll I tell you what, Jim Irsay wouldn't mind having him on his staff. He loves Mike Vrabel and the way he approaches the game. So yeah, I, I don't I'm, know. If, uh, I'm a Vrabel fan as a coach. Yeah, I don't know if Vrabel's honestly, interested so. in any uh, you know, assistant roles, but <laughs> I know Irsay would love to have him. But he'll he'll have opportunities though for sure. He's, sure. he's not someone where he gets fired and you're like, this guy has no idea what he's doing. It's more so what I think is just that ran its course. It's not like Josh McDaniels where you're like, get this guy away from my franchise. No, he he's someone who could probably come in and you feel good about implementing a certain culture. Because, again, to his credit, his team's fought. And that last game was a perfect example of that. They had nothing to play for other than to keep yeah. Jacksonville out. And they went out there and smacked them around and, and did it the old tech, Titans way where they just bully you into submission. And Derrick Henry, who is, I guess, ageless, just, you know, he ran for another, had another 100-yard game. And it just felt like the old t Titans games from, from the past. But um, not super surprised by the move, but obviously it's it's significant. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think it's a it's good for the Colts. I think Vrabel's a good coach. I think he's a really good coach, and I think with a little better, better roster, they would have recognized. Yeah, fan pricing. Get him out of the AFC. <laughs> yeah, how many years? How many years in a row where I thought you know Tennessee's team's okay, they're not great, and and he would figure out a way to get them to nine, ten, eleven wins, and and fighting for uh, AFC South championship. Like, I, you know, it's 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 a big loss for Tennessee. I understand they're going through the reset. It looks like a it's kind of maybe a power struggle there. I, I know they brought in a new GM and. Yeah, it seems like ever since the AJ Brown trade, man, everything just is downhill for the Titans yeah, after that. So, yeah, um, not good. But I will say, given what you said, if you uh, talking about Anthony Richardson, talking about CJ Stroud, even talking about Trevor Lawrence, I think if you're uh, if you're if you're back in Will Levis, I think you're uh, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. There is my is my opinion on 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 that. Um, so we'll see we'll see what Tennessee does at quarterback. But I mean, I'm not saying he's no good, but. I don't know that he's on the level of those other three, and and that's going to be a tough way to play if you're if you're going into the future. You got the fourth best quarterback in your division. Still a long way to go on Levis and Richardson and Stroud technically, yeah. but it's a uh, we'll see. But anyway, we can get back to the Colts. I just thought it would be interesting to break that news while we were uh, while we were talking. Um, yeah, to get back, like I said, we'll, we'll get to Ballard, obviously. We'll get to hear from Ballard, I should say, in a couple of days. It'll be really interesting what he has to say. Last year's press conference was very honest. You know, it started with him saying he failed. Um, mm -hmm. They had to go find a coach. They had to go find a quarterback. Like I said, they, they knocked out two huge priorities by, I think, doing those things right. So that's, I mean, maybe let's end there. Like, what do you think Ballard's going to talk about uh, on Thursday? And where do you think these Colts' priorities need to be uh, for the offseason. I know what you think is number one. Yes. Number one, give Michael Pittman Jr. a big bag of money and keep him here. Now, I do think that, and I was talking this over in my head and with some others yesterday, I do think there's a good chance they franchise tag him and then negotiate a long-term deal throughout that. Like, yeah. for those who don't know, the deadline to franchise tag somebody is March 5th. The day where he be, where he technically becomes a free agent is March 13th. And so there is no way they're going to let him enter free agency without some sort of contract in place. And so, but on the flip side of that, there's no way that he accepts anything less than what the franchise tag is projected to be, $22 million but across four or five years, there's no way he accepts like, you know, uh, $18 million a year for four years. He would just be like, tag me then. I, I think he might be a hundred million dollar player at this point with the cap going up and the way the receiver markets are going. I think he might be. Oh, I absolutely think so. I think if I'm look, if I'm Pittman, a hundred million, four years, and I need Ooh. $50 million guaranteed. 
Now the stats you you put in your story yesterday, man. Like he, it's it's is he number one, is he a number one receiver in like the top five sense? Probably not, but he's in the next group, probably in that like yeah. you know eight to 12, 14 range. I mean, yeah, he's a really good player, and as JT alluded to yesterday, he's proven it year in and year out, despite having seven different quarterbacks throwing him the ball in his four seasons. Yep. There has been no consistency at quarterback for him throughout his career, yet he's always produced. And I think this year he really was. He took his game to another level, best year of his career, and again, did it with a backup quarterback the entire way. So um, he was lockstep with what he said months ago back in July, I believe it was, you know. I'm basically his stance was I'm auditioning for all 32 teams. Yep. I'm going to play hard for the Colts, but after the season, we'll figure it out. And now it's their chance to figure it out. And I think that, I think that even like a four year, 88 million, which is like $22 million annually, will probably get yeah. it done if it's like 45, 50 million dollars guaranteed. But I'm just saying if I'm Pittman, the conversation starts at a hundred million dollars. If you're the Colts, I got to sell you this, by the way. If you're haggling over a few million, you've got it wrong. Like, you've just got it wrong. I know you understand they that. They have that the cap balance. space. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I know it's part of his job is to haggle and get the contracts, you know, get value. But, like, don't mess with it. The guy is a good leader on a team. You don't need to make him mad. We've been through the Jonathan Taylor thing before. And here's the most important thing. You have Anthony Richardson. Do not take weapons away from him. Make the weapons happy. Make Anthony Richardson happy. You got Taylor locked up. You got Pittman locked up. You got Josh Downs for another three years. I still think they probably could, you know, their tight ends are fine. If you could find like a, you know, a badass one, that'd be great. Uh, but this don't strip away young parts from this team. Do not. And don't. And, and if it's haggling over a couple million a year, stop. it. Just stop. Yeah, it. Just exactly. So I think that's obviously priority number one. And I'm sure when we ask Chris Ballard about it, he'll say, I'm not going to get into contract stuff. And I'm going to tell him, but it's a hundred million dollars on the table. <laughs> he's not going to answer that. And I wanted to ask Pittman that so bad yesterday. I just didn't do it because it's probably not in good taste, but I wanted to ask him, what is the starting price? Is it $100 million? Because <laughs> um, yeah. that's what I would do. And for all of those who are saying, yeah. oh, he's not worth that, who cares? Like, I would love to have a job where I get paid what I'm not worth, to be honest. So it's like asking you, Jim, do you think you're paid enough by the athletic? I mean – we can all say, ah, oh, you know what? I could use a little bit more. Like, I'm doing good. Yeah. Like, I have a good job. No one, I'm not yeah. struggling. But no like, one no says yes to that be, question. Yeah, no one's going to be like, well, you know what? I actually don't deserve that extra $2 million on my contract. So, you know what? Yeah, you're right. No, no. He, he And I, I think that if you get to the end of negotiations and he signs a deal and there's a good portion of the fan base or just people in general around the league who are saying he got overpaid, he did it right. It's, it's like Christian Kirk last year. Everyone was saying he got overpaid. That's what you want the conversation to be like after yep. you sign. And then again, I I, I want to you know I'm joking around, but Pittman has produced at a consistent level. And I do think he's a thousand yard receiver for years yeah. to come. Um, he also doesn't miss many games. I think he's missed two games in the last two years. Um, yeah, his rookie and, year, and, that was about it. Where it was bad. Yeah, yeah. So he doesn't miss time. And then the two games that he did miss, the offense was abysmal. So you need him. But yep. other priorities, I would say. Yeah, what's number two on that list to you? Yeah, sorry, I was gonna say like everybody knows Pittman, but what's like what's the number? Yeah, two I'm trying to, to think. Number two thing is probably just Ar's health, which is a gimme. Okay, you know you have to figure out where he's at in the plan. Um, and then I would say prioritizing even while as he's getting better, you know I, I wouldn't put it past Shane Steichen to start building a game plan or something to sort of mitigate maybe some of the risk you take with running him. And I know that's a conversation we can't really have until he gets back into like full contact you know, games, which won't be until, you know, the preseason of next year. Um, so, or, or next season, so to speak, but um, that, ha- that conversation has to start of, of how do we protect this guy? Where is he at with this throwing? So that's priority number two. And after that, I think it's, it's probably looking at your defensive secondary and where okay. you go from there, because, they were able to sort of survive this year. I don't think they thought they were going to be this good because otherwise right. they would have kept they would have kept Gilmore. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously that Isaiah Rogers suspension, they had no control over that. But they probably would have invested more in their secondary had they known they were actually gonna be pretty good. So yeah. I think this coming up to in this upcoming draft, I wouldn't be surprised if they draft another cornerback. 
Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they signed a veteran quarterback in free agency, just someone to shore up that back end because even Joe Juju had his moments. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you want to start, you know, uh, Dallas Flowers coming off of an Achilles injury where he is it's sort of an unproven player too. Um, do you start Dylan Jones again, even though he kind of fought and scrapped this year as a seventh round pick? Obviously, I don't think Daryl Baker Jr. is like a starter in the NFL. So I just wonder how do you invest on the back end? And also, what do you do when it comes to like, do you reassign Julian Blackman and bring him back? I think you probably should because he's one of your best safeties and a really good team leader and, and plays some mm -hmm. of his best ball. Injury history kind of gives me a little bit, a bit of pause too. Yeah, but for sure. you have to figure out. I think your secondary for sure because that to me was the weakest part of your defense and why teams like the Texans could just pick on you guys. I mean, even when the Colts brought pressure and and, and hit CJ Stroud and all that, I mean they made Nico Collins look like a dude. And I'm not saying he's not talented. I mean, but they made him look like he was the best wide receiver on earth for a game. Right. And like I said, Tank, Tank Dell will be back, so that's exactly. Be a problem. And so that's that's usually the theme is that the a lot of wide receivers had big performances against the secondary this year, and the Colts were able mm -hmm. to you know kind of eke out some wins. But to me, it's not sustainable to rely on that secondary to really get you where you want to go. Well, let me ask you then, real quick before before we get out of here, the question I think a lot of Colts fans are wondering. You, you didn't mention it as a priority. Um, and and we can well, again. I promise we'll talk about this because I'm sure Chris Ballard will be asked about it. So we will get into it more. But where are you on Gus Bradley then? Oh yeah. Oh man, that's a tough one. I will say that Shane Steichen, where he's at, he said yeah. when he was asked about it directly. He was like, "I believe in continuity." He's known Gus for many years, and I think that that was probably as clear a sign as Shane is going to give to the fact that he's going to bring him back. Where I land is. I probably bring him back as well, my own personal opinion. And the reason I say that is because you can't on one hand say, oh, the defensive secondary was so bad and his defense, the, these soft defenses and this prevent defense, which again, this was not prevent defense the entire season, people. <laughs> There's a lot of different schemes he used. Um, but it wasn't just, it, a lot of it had to do with the, the inability of the secondary. So you can't crush him for that but then also, you know, praise him for or praise the pass rush and not give him credit for that. So the pass rush had, you know, a franchise record in single season sacks. They got after it. You saw some growth from guys like Dial and Quiddy and Samson came along. And obviously Buckner was great. You can't give him credit for that. And look at guys like, you know, Zaire and EJ who had career years and then turn around and be like, well, your secondary is terrible. Get rid of them. So I think you bring them back. You give him some pieces to work with, and then you see, you know, where you go from there. Because I do think that the continuity matters. And the defense, to me, wasn't as bad as it was last year in 2022. This They took some steps forward this year, but it's hard to evaluate it, in my opinion, Jim, because you basically handed him a bunch of nobodies for the secondary and was like, we're going to take yeah. lumps this year. And Make it work. Like, oh, wait. Yeah, it's like, oh, wait a second, we're good. How come this isn't better? It's like, well, you didn't give me any players. So what, what's your take on it? No, I agree. I I I I almost always side on the on the side of continuity. I don't like having to I don't first of all, players don't like having to learn a new scheme over and over and over and over again. I don't think it benefits anybody. Um, I think the more you play in, in this in a familiar scheme, the better you get at it. Um maybe there's a cap to that with Gus Bradley. I don't know. I think he changed his stripes a little bit this year. I think he did a nice job adjusting, not just running straight. I mean, don't get me wrong. Guy still runs a ton of cover three, but mm -hmm. you know, did some different things to change it up. But again, like you said, didn't really have the horses to, to, you know, to man up if they really wanted to go man and, and blitz and right. didn't really, just didn't really have the man cover guys to do that. Um, I think if you give him a few more players, you can maybe see what he could do. This is kind of like what happened with Dan Quinn in Dallas. Everybody thought, yeah, we, Tiger can't change his stripes, and he got the Dallas, got some real talent on his hands, and and change his stripes a little bit. So, I'd like to see Gus Bradley adjust a little more. I think he, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a bad coach. Um, not a huge fan of the scheme in general, but again, that's not my call. That's Shane Steichen, Chris Ballard call. Um, but that's the scheme they want to run. That's the scheme the players are familiar with. I think, like I said, I'm a fan of continuity, so I'd like to see it. Maybe one more year with a few more players injected in, young talent injected in, and see where that takes you. Funny that you asked, though, and again, I, we're getting way off track, but it's one of those things that Shane, Shane Sykes has got to keep in mind. I mean, when you're a young coach and you're, you know, 
talked about the way Shane Steichen's talked about and how well things are going. Um, something to keep in mind down the down in the future is down the road is how are you going to replace the assistance that you're going to lose? Because if you're doing well and everybody thinks you're doing well, and everybody's happy with what you're doing, you guys are going to get poached. I think one of the underrated parts of the Frank Reich era and the downfall of it was losing Matt Eberflus, losing Nick Sirianni, losing these guys and then not having great replacements for them and not, not working out. So Again, this is a the problem for down the road. I don't think they're all going to get poached this off. Season. Yeah, you're trying but, to make it all. You're trying to bring it doom and gloom, man. It, it's hope. It's 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 the sun is I'm, rising. Jim. I'm just saying <laughs> he's a meticulous guy. He thinks about every scenario. I, I bet true. he's got a list somewhere in a drawer somewhere where he's like, if I lose this guy, I'm taking this guy. If I lose that guy, I'm taking that. He should be thinking about those things because the thing that makes these young, good coaches the best, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, is that when the brain drain happens and they get all their guys get poached, they can find other guys to elevate and and help you know again keep keep things going. And, you know those guys struggle a little bit too. So something to keep in mind. I just wanted to throw that out there. We don't have to talk about it anymore. It's a concern for a different day. But I was just thinking about it and thinking about Steichen's got to be aware of that issue at least a little bit. Um, well, I gotta but, get my resume together so I can remind him that when the season's on the line, here's who has played. In the big moments, so now I'm just I'm just throwing hey, a little so jab next... <laughs> um, But no, no I mean, in all I seriousness, I think reasonable minds can disagree on that. I really do. So yeah, no, in all seriousness, though, who am I to question that dude? He took a team that was four twelve and one last year, had hit rock bottom, was the laughing stock of the NFL at one point. Seriously, um, and, and I say that with sincerity. There were times where I got text messages people who were laughing about what I had to cover with this team last year. So he comes back this year. He deals with the Injuries, suspensions, the one arrest with Drew Ogletree, all those things. Yep. And this team was right there. So um, he says they're close. And the team obviously feels that way behind him. And I'm excited to see what's next. I should have a you know, knocking some wood here, a uh, more relaxed offseason this time around than last year. Right. I'm looking at everybody else around the league like, You're yeah. just daring the Colts to be No, no, no. I'm looking Come at on. the Raiders and the Titans and everybody else like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all do y'all coaching searches. We did that last year because the Colts found their guy. They have their guy. And we'll hear from Chris Ballard, Anthony Richardson, I believe on Thursday. That should be good. I know everyone's, you know, eager to hear where Anthony is in his rehab you know, what he learned from this season, what he hopes to apply to next season, all those things. And I'll have plenty to give you on The Athletic coming soon. And I would just give you a little more tease on that Shane Steichen stuff. I got some good stuff coming from you all. He's a peculiar guy, reserved guy, but I did some digging and I finally found some some gold there. So I'm excited to get that out pretty soon here in, in the next week or so. James with the professional sign-off. I can't do much better than that. So I'll just say uh, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys uh, real soon. Thanks for listening.